Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Almost Better Than Silence. I'm your host, Doug Coleman, and today we have a special guest. Uh, we have Jeff Kanata from so many things. There's DLC, uh, his newest show, newest, latest, best. He's from Slash Filmcast. You might know him from Totally Rad Show. Uh, we have concerns. He's a very multi-talented guy and doing lots of podcasting. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Yeah, super happy to have you on our show. And I guess the first thing I usually ask on our interviews, um, besides what are your greatest strengths and weakness and where do you see yourself in five years? Uh, just kidding. Uh, is <laughs> <laughs> is basically for our listeners who might not be aware of your work, can you give them a little elevator pitch on what you do? Sure. Um I, uh, I'm an actor and a host, and uh, I talk about technology and pop culture and a variety of, of different shows and uh, have done for, for quite a while now. Um, I have a couple of video game shows, as you mentioned, and a movie and television show and uh, a comedy science show that I'm really proud of. Um, so, yeah, I I'm, I'm kind of try to do lots of different things. I'm comedian. Um, stage actor, screen actor. I try to get my hand into as many projects as possible. But the most of my income comes for, at this point comes from uh, hosting podcasts and doing stuff on the web. That's fantastic. And I guess that kind of segues into my first question. Like, what got you into podcasting? And when did you even hear about it? What would you say was the first podcast you listened to that kind of inspired you and made you think, oh, I can do this? That's a great question. Uh, you know, I we were kind of around as it was all starting. Uh, we started the Totally Rad Show in 2007. Really, we're working on it in 2006. And that was really the first couple of years that that podcasting was even happening was like 2005, 2006, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, I was very fortunate that I sort of became friends with uh, Alex Albrecht, who was doing Dignation at the time. So I think that's really where I got it in my head that that we could do something like that. Um, I was a big fan uh, slash critic of the G4 network. And my first job ever uh, when I was 14 was reviewing video games. I, I wrote for the local paper at age 14 reviewing computer and video games. And so I had a history in the industry and following the industry and I had watched a bunch of G4 and fantasized about uh, hosting a show like that. And actually, at that time, I was pretty critical of what they were doing on that channel. It was a video game channel, if people don't remember. Oh, yeah. Um, that is what Tech TV had turned into. So I, I watched Tech TV, and I followed all those guys. Um, strangely, I'm like now friends with most of them. <laughs> but That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's pretty wild. But uh, you know, when G4 happened, and I was such a big fan of, of video games, I was a little critical of the fact that, that it felt often that a lot of their programming was kind of making fun of the culture and maybe talking down to the audience a bit. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm friends with all those guys. I'm friends with Kevin Pereira and, and uh, Adam Sessler and all those guys now. And I really have a lot of respect for them and I have a lot of respect for the writers. I'm friends with a lot of the writers on those shows now. Um, but I think at that time, the, just the culture was a little different. And I don't think that nerddom had sort of come into its own fully yet. And I think that in a corporate structure like G4 was, there was a lot of, I don't know, it, it felt like the snark was aimed at the audience. And so at that time, I really thought that there was a place for a show that celebrated the culture and kind of came from a place of being inside the culture rather than from the outside looking in. Yeah. And uh, and that's what we wanted to do with The Totally Rad Show. And then in 2007, well, 2006, I sort of met 
uh, Dan Trachtenberg and Alex Albrecht, who were my co-hosts on that show, and they were already each doing podcasts. Uh, Dan was doing a show called Geek Drome, and Alex was doing Dignation. And so we became friends and were having conversations that we thought would be fun to do as a show. And uh, since they were already doing it, then we just immediately thought, well, let's, let's make a pilot and see if it, see if it works. Absolutely. Wow. What an interesting uh, journey of how that all started. So in the Totally Rad show, I unfortunately was not uh, tuning in at the time of when that was a thing. But if I'm not mistaken, it was a web series that you guys started weekly and then moved to daily. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was started out as a, as a weekly one hour plus video web show on Revision 3, which was sort of the web network that sprouted from the death of, of Tech TV. Some of the people on Tech TV, when it got changed over to G4, just left and started a, a web network, uh, Kevin Rose and um, some of the other people that worked there. And um, they were really one of the first people doing video on the web. And the Totally Rad show, it seems crazy, to kind of, kind of crazy now to do an hour-long video web show, but that's what we were doing. Yeah. And um, it was before, you know, shorter content was king. And I think during the lifespan, it, it became that. And that's why we changed to a shorter daily format. But we were doing, we made the show, uh, it was all green screen backgrounds, which people hear now, it's like no big deal because everybody's doing that. But nobody was doing that when we did it. And we were doing it out of a garage. Um, and we sort of had to figure out how to do green screen keying because now it's just off-the-shelf software. You push one button and you can key out. People do it you know, in real time on Twitch. It's no big deal. But back then, in 2007, uh, there wasn't that capability. We had to figure it out. And it was, uh, it was, we were pretty proud of the fact that we were able to do virtual backgrounds and have people submit backgrounds to the show and use those. Um, I think it was pretty groundbreaking for its time. Oh, agreed. No, that sounds like cutting edge for the time, definitely. Um, do you, it sounds like more or less that you're doing a lot more podcasting these days. Do you have like a desire to get back in front of a camera or is there stuff that you're doing like that, that I'm just not aware of? A little of both. I mean, I'm definitely more interested in, uh, getting in front of a camera, uh, and I'm always working to that end. Um, but I, you know, I did, uh, I did done a bunch of shows for CNET. Uh, I did a show last year that ran for a long time called, um, Tomorrow Daily that I did with Ashley Esqueda on CNET. And before that, I did a show on CNET called Always On with Molly Wood that I'm really, really proud of. It was a pretty awesome show. Um, so I, you know, I'm definitely always interested in doing video shows and being in front of the camera. Um, and I do a lot of uh, hired work hosting for, you know, in front of the camera stuff. In fact, I'm in talks to do one uh, in a couple of weeks. So hopefully that'll, that'll work out. But um, yeah, I'm always, you know, always looking for new video shows as well. But yeah, most of the most of my income right now comes from the audio format. That makes sense. And it's it's funny you mentioned Kevin Pereira and G4 and stuff. That's honestly one of my biggest inspirations of starting my own podcast and uh, the whole video game driven content that we provide here at Almost Better Than Silence. And we've actually had a handful of the members of the attack on our show in, in numerous times. And that's actually where I first discovered you was when you were featured on the attack, however many years ago at this point now. Oh, but, cool. Yeah. And that led me down the road of checking out DLC and We Have Concerns and you just have so much stuff going on. But it seems like you are a pretty big name in the gaming industry. What would you say was like the first gaming console or game that you specifically recall playing? And when did it like sink into your mind that this is a feature for me? 
Oh man, uh, I you know I'm a little older than you. Uh, I I played uh, the first games. Yes, that's right. <laughs> I mean, my dad literally had uh, a version of Pong at our house, you know, and and I very vividly remember uh, a birthday getting an Atari 2600. I mean, I was real young, but um, my dad was was a geek himself, and he brought home PCs, and I you know we had like a, a 8086 PCXT computer when I was a kid, and I learned basic and programmed very primitive games. I remember getting gaming magazines, not gaming magazines, more like uh, computer magazines that had little basic uh, programs in the back of them just printed out in text. Oh, wow. I would sit there, my sister, my little sister, I somehow conned her into sitting there with me and she would read the text of the the program and I would type it in and then we would have a game that was very, very primitive. It would like be Centipede or you know, uh, you know, Tron light cycles, but just with like ASCII graphics. Gotcha. Um, but you know, I, so I loved that stuff from its inception. I mean, my lifetime is basically the lifetime of video games and, uh, I was sort of right there through all of it. So I, I fell in love with all that stuff, uh, at an early age and, uh, you know, grew up with it. So it was, it was always a part of my, my cultural life. That's really cool. And it's, it's really neat to see how far it's like evolved. And that's one thing that I know about you that you're really into VR. And like, it's kind of funny how lots of opinions of it are people think it's a shiny thing, and it's going to be forgotten in a couple of years. I personally think it's it's going to be around for a long time, especially if it's done right. As someone with very little VR experience, I've only ever really toyed around with a Google Cardboard and my phone and stuff. Uh, what would you say is like the best entry point for VR? Would it be Oculus, Vive, PSVR? I think any one of those three is a great entry point. I mean, I, certainly PSVR is the most economically sensible, although yeah. Oculus right now is on sale for 400 bucks. Uh, it does require a you know, pretty powerful PC, but I, Oculus for me right now, at this very moment, and I reserve the right to change that opinion. Sure. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, this very moment, I think Oculus is is the best experience. Um, Vive is constantly updating these Knuckles controllers. I haven't had a chance to try them, but they sound incredible. But right now, at this moment, what you can get right this second, Oculus with touch controllers is the best experience. But I, I, that isn't to say that PSVR isn't worthwhile. I think PSVR is fantastic and certainly is... Uh, something that can convert people into being believers in VR. I mean, if you play um, the Star Wars Battlefront VR experience or Batman Arkham VR on PSVR, I think you get it. I think you understand what's so special about it. Yeah. Um, but there are many, many experiences that I could highly recommend that I think uh, makes people understand what's so special about VR and that it isn't just a passing fad that it really marks a completely new way to interact with entertainment. And that's different than Waggle on Wii or 3D televisions. People always compare it to those, to those technologies that are sort of um, here today, gone tomorrow. But VR is not comparable. It is, it is a completely new way to interact with games. And the game that I've been going crazy about lately uh, is a game called Lone Echo on Oculus. And I think it's really the new best VR game ever. <laughs> it really awesome. is. It really is. Um, I, I can't imagine anybody playing that game and not understanding what makes VR so special. That's fantastic. I, I need to get my hands on it. And it sounds like a good time to get into Oculus since it is on sale and stuff. 
I'm, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to invest in PSVR anytime soon, but I do have the desire to get into it. I personally am kind of waiting for the first like RPG that they can have a fully fleshed out, like very long story with. It seems like a lot of these games are more or less experience games, but just uh, I did look into uh, the game you just mentioned and it looks ridiculous. Yeah, it's amazing. And, it you know, I, I played through it this weekend. It's about a six to eight hour campaign, okay. which, you know, is comparable to Call of Duty or, or something like that. And and I think it does feel meaty and feels AAA and feels like a full-fledged game and not just an experience. But also, you know, uh, I would recommend The Mage's Tale, which also just came out a couple of weeks ago. Um, that's from the guys that make Bard's Tale. It's from In Exile Entertainment, very, very high-end developer. And it is a full-on role-playing game with puzzles and progression and spell casting and it, it's it's incredible and oh, of course nice. you know we're also getting bethesda games in vr coming up so i think you know those big media experiences in vr will be i think a, a proof of concept as well yeah definitely a huge selling point that'll probably be the breaking point for me where it's like all right i can do this um <laughs> uh but to get back to some of your podcasting though one of the ones that i really want to highlight is your newest show uh newest latest best and it's actually like a daily show that you're doing on anchor uh one of our fans actually sent in a question to you and he says how do you stay motivated enough to do daily podcasts when i barely struggle to do one a month (laughs) that's a great question you know it's it's not uh it's it's not a small thing to do a show every day and it's daily not just five days a week it's seven days a week it's it's every single day and when I agreed to to start that show uh, with the folks at Anchor, I I don't think I really understood what I was taking on because it is it is always there. It is always waiting. Uh, there is no day when I can just wake up and be relaxed. I would have that waiting for me, but I really do enjoy it. I mean, it's it's awesome to have such an immediate interaction with the audience and to put something out right away. I mean, I, I love my weekly video game show DLC. But if something cool happens on a Wednesday or, God forbid, on a Tuesday morning, I don't get to talk about that until the following Monday when we do DLC. And sometimes that feels really stale by the time we have the opportunity to talk about it. But a daily show, I'm reacting in real time to breaking news. I get to talk about the stuff that I'm playing. A lot of times I'll go to industry events, like, for example, today's episode of Newest Latest Best is... uh, hands-on that I had with uh, Uncharted The Lost Legacy, it was the worst possible situation for me doing a show on Monday because the embargo for that event was lifted at 7 a.m. on Tuesday morning. So oh my God. <laughs> it, it, I couldn't talk about it on yesterday's episode of DLC, but I did have the opportunity to talk about it on today's episode of Newest, Latest, Best. So that stuff is really fun. And I also really like the fact that um, the Anchor platform allows me to have people send in voicemail to me and I can play it on the show very, very easily. It's real slick the way it works. So it's been fun to have the show be this kind of conversation with the audience and not just talking at the audience. Um, so I, I'm really digging that show and I, I like the short form and, and hopefully people are listening. It's available on Anchor, but it's also a podcast on uh, iTunes and Google Play Music Store. Yep. And I'm listening via iTunes myself. I, I, I found out about it. I actually don't know how I found about, out about it. I think Anchor themselves were contacting me because we're podcasters. And then I went to their site and saw your show and I was like, oh, it's Jeff Kanata. I got to give this a try. <laughs> And yeah, awesome. it's it's really cool hearing yeah that the immediate interaction with your fans. It's I thought it was really cool how you can send in voicemails and all that stuff. And like you said, uh, with the whole being able to say things as it happens with our show, for instance, we have a Slack channel and we just throw all the topics into show topics. And by the time we record, it is like 
two, three weeks stale and it's always a yeah. shame. But um, we still find a way to at least talk about it, but it would be more efficient to do it daily. I, But that is kind of daunting. I, I'm trying to think of myself doing like ABTS minis or something every day. And wow. Right. It, and that's the thing with the video game industry. Sometimes, especially people say during the summer and spring, there's usually like a lull and lack of games coming out and news. So to be able to have something every day, that's got to be some research involved. But then I guess this year is an exception because we've had an exceptional year for video games. That's true. Yeah, a lot, a lot of stuff happening in the summer. This this week alone is like five or six games that I want to be playing. So it's it, it's pretty great. But you're right. You know, every day to have content, uh, multiple segments every day. It, it's uh, you know, it can be a little intense. But that's what's so great about having the audience call in with with stuff. And, you know, they're supplying things to talk about every day as well. So it's it's fun. Oh, definitely. Um. Okay. So then I have a couple more gaming related questions for you. Just want to get your thoughts on it. Your thoughts on esports, uh, particularly I'm really getting into Rocket League and I, it's crazy to see how much of a community is evolving. Uh, it's been around for two years and I see that some people are saying it's going to be on different channels of ESPN and stuff. So like, it's just exploding. And then that's not even to mention Overwatch and the big dogs. Um, what are your thoughts on it? Do you, th- do you see, uh, a future in esports, like really like taking over modern television? I do. I, I think that it is, I keep saying esports is the future, but I, it's more accurate to say esports is the present. I mean, it is, it's yeah. happening and it's going to continue happening. Uh, I don't necessarily think it has to live on regular broadcast television. I think it probably will, but I don't think it's necessary for esports to survive. Certainly, uh, Dota and League of Legends are showing that they can have these big, awesome tournaments uh, and just stream them. And they get great audiences, and there's tons of uh, excitement about the games and lots of revenue generated. Esports is fun. It's awesome. It is uh, a kind of a, a wholesome angle on video games that I think can win over people that aren't really, you know, keen on having video games be in the mainstream. Yeah. And it, you know, it is, it, it is. If you get into it and and you kind of understand what's going on, which you know is no insignificant hurdle. That, but, you know, it's also a hurdle for people to understand what's going on in a game of football or baseball. You know, exactly. You're indoctrinated in that in our culture. But if you just came to it raw, you'd be like, what is even happening here? So as the gamer generation ages up and there are eventually no people that didn't grow up with video games, it's going to not seem so odd and it's going to seem completely natural and people are going to love it. And uh, when, once you understand it all, it's thrilling to see these guys perform at such a high level. And I think uh, a lot of the structure that's now arriving to the scene, uh, for example, the um, Overwatch leagues and the League of Legends uh, franchises that they're making, all of that stuff is going to lead to much more uptake in people being interested in it. And I think it's it only is going to expand from here. Absolutely. And I even think I heard about certain colleges offering like uh, sponsorships to just come play esports for their school. So that's, I I do agree that it is kind of like in its blossoming phase and it will, I guess, be more socially accepted once it's on TV. Although that's a a sad thing to say because I personally tune into the streams and do see like 20,000 plus people tuning in. So it's obviously there's a a culture there. Um, And then my other question is uh, about like, trade values and like just values in gaming so like 
it's kind of confusing that I just went to a con earlier this summer and there is like a retro game con. They have all sorts of old games and like, say I want to buy a Dreamcast, it'll cost me a, hun- a couple hundred dollars or something. And then if I were to go into GameStop today to trade in my PlayStation 3 or PlayStation 4, I'd probably be lucky if I walked out of there with $40. What are your thoughts on the fact that old retro games are spiking in price, but yet the latest, greatest technology just like kind of shrivels? Hmm. Um, it's an odd thing. I mean, I think, I think that all comes to collectability and scarcity of, of supply. Uh, you know, these, these rare collectible games can, can be expensive because there aren't very many of them around to sell. Um, but technology just in general often doesn't retain its value. You know, I think if you, if you bought a, in, in, in the same sense, if you bought a new car and then the next day went to CarMax to sell it, you're going to have a very comparable loss of value. Yes. You know, it's stuff, that's just the way stuff works. Um, so I don't know how realistic it is for us to expect to be able to uh, sell our technology for what it's what we purchased it for. Yeah. Um, but I also agree that the market is an odd one. And I think a lot of that oddity for me stems from virtual sales and the idea of buying something that never existed as a physical product and yet having that be priced exactly the same as if I walked into a brick and mortar store and picked up the box. I, yeah. I, I think that needs to change. Um, and I think that's where the value proposition from the consumer's perspective is a little wonky because um, you should get a break if you're just buying it directly from the developer. There's no way it should be $59.99 buying it from the developer on their website uh, in a virtual form uh, and also going into Best Buy and, and buying it. There should be a difference there. And I understand they're doing that to save the brick and mortar stores and not tick them off. But uh, I think that's really where we need to see some some change. That makes sense to me. Yeah, I guess there is a certain convenience of not even having to go to the store and just have and not need to swap out discs and stuff. But it it also there's an even more just it's like the same th- thing as having an ebook versus holding a physical copy of a book. Like I don't know, I like actually purchasing something and holding on to it. And then if I wanted to trade that book or lend it to somebody, I could physically hand it to them and not just be like, oh well, it's downloaded on my machine. Sorry. Yeah, I think that you are uh, a bit of a dinosaur that way, but uh, I mean, and <laughs> a little I'm, bit. I'm not, I understand. I'm I'm that way too. I don't mean that as a as a pejorative, but I. You know, I think that that is uh, a declining perspective. I think most people, I think that's going to become rarer and rarer. And I think that, uh, yeah, you know, at a certain point, not too long from now, I think that's going to be the exception rather than the rule. That's understandable. All right. And then here's a question that I'm wondering if any of our listeners are like, Doug, you have to ask this. Uh, what would you say you lean towards more? Like, PlayStation, Xbox, Nintendo, or PC? Uh, and it's fine if you're like multifaceted. I'm pretty multifaceted, but I, I honestly, I these days lean toward PC just because of convenience. Um, I mean, I have a I have a powerful PC and I like playing games at high settings, so that's nice. But also, my PC lives in my office, and it's easier for me to get game time in in my office sequestered and not have to deal with being in the living room. Um, but I, you know, I love my consoles as well, and I like playing games on the big TV uh, sitting on the couch, but. Uh, it just tends to be the case that I can put more hours in on a game if I play it in my office. Yeah. <laughs> so, so that's really most of where that comes from. But I've been, 
I've been accused over the years of being an Xbox fanboy and then a PlayStation <laughs> fanboy and then a PC elitist. And, oh, you no. Know, uh, I've never been accused of being a Nintendo fanboy, so I guess I, I should give more love to Nintendo. But um, Same here. I, I have no allegiance to any one particular place. I, I think I tend to play a little bit more PlayStation 4 this generation, but I certainly played more Xbox 360 last generation. And I, I, the idea of someone accusing me of those things has always been so hilarious because <laughs> I, I could not care less which console I'm on, and I could not have less allegiance to a brand and the fact that people are oh, this generation people are like oh you hate xbox you love sony of course you give your game of the year to to sony games every every year i was like well that's that's only because uh uncharted 4 was amazing last year and horizon is amazing this year it's, yeah if that was on a microsoft console i'd still give them game of the year it has nothing to do with that of course but that's the internet looking for excuses and i don't know i'm with you i'm i'm the same way i i like gaming no matter what it's on uh personally like i i've been known i people have said that i'm a nintendo hater and i'm not because i've played like all the mario games and everything so i don't know it's it's interesting how there's uh that kind of class system being set up but it's at the end of the day we're all gamers so everyone just have fun um i agree so I guess uh, a few last questions about podcasting. Uh, where did you meet your co-hosts uh, for your various shows, like Christian Spicer for DLC and Anthony Carboni for uh, We Have Concerns? Well, I was doing a show uh, with Garnett Lee called um, Weekend Confirmed, which uh, grew out of his podcasts, um, um, One Up Yours, and before that, um, The One Up Show. And he was, he was doing a show... One of the very first uh, video game audio podcasts, actually, um, that he did uh, for many years. And when that ended, he actually um, left when One Up collapsed and he left that company. He moved down to Los Angeles. And when he did, uh, I had guested on that show several times and really was a big fan of him and what he did. And we kind of became friends. And when he moved down to Los Angeles, where I was living, we talked about starting up the sort of spiritual successor to his video game show. And that became Weekend Confirmed, which we did for several years uh, down here in LA. And while we were doing that show, Christian Spicer was a fan and reached out to uh, Garnett and asked if he could guest on the show and said he was a stand-up comic. And, you know, just we just thought it would be fun to have him in. Yeah. And he became a regular contributor a regular guest on the show and out of that we he and i became friends and we had a what i thought was a pretty good dynamic on the show and so when uh garnett left uh we, we were doing that through shack news and or excuse me through gamefly and uh when um when gamefly decided that it didn't want to fund uh the making of a podcast anymore weekend confirmed ended uh, garnett left and went to work at amazon and so that show was over and I wanted to create the spiritual successor to that show. So sort of continue that legacy. And I thought Christian would be a great person to start it with. And it turned out to be the best decision because uh, he's awesome. And I think the show uh, is is really wonderful and, and a fun um, carrying over of that legacy. Uh, hopefully people agree. Nice. Yeah. Is he actually your slash nemesis or is that just part of the show? <laughs> Uh, I mean, a little of both, you know, it's, we play it up certainly, but, yeah. uh, he definitely, we disagree about a lot of things. So I think that's why, uh, that's why that came about. I mean, that started on weekend confirmed. So we, when we would have vehement disagreements about a lot of things. So 
uh, that's where that even began. And I think, but I think that makes for a good show because we're both we're genuinely buddies and we hang out and our families hang out together. And, um, you know, we, we d- genuinely like each other, but we can also disagree very strongly about video game opinions. Yeah. It's a good dynamic to have people that disagree sometimes on an audio content. Cause if everyone's disagreeing, you don't really get that other side of the story. And it's, it's same with just playing devil's advocate. If you do agree. Right. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think I, I don't think there's any falseness uh, to it. It is not a it, we're not we're not creating uh, disagreement when there is none. It's it all comes from a genuine place. That makes sense. Yeah, I can every, honestly all the content that you put out, I can just you get that genuine feel. Like I just you're such a nice guy. One of your tweets really kind of resonated with me recently. Like why why can't we make uh, being nice or kind cool again? And I'm like ah, I know what you mean because there's so much. Yeah. Uh, toxicity in some of the gaming communities. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm definitely uh, a fan of wholesome. <laughs> I <laughs> yes. think wholesome. I think honestly, I think wholesome is the new punk rock because uh, being snide so and cool. snarky is uh, being snide and snarky. There's nothing special about that. Everyone is that. Uh, being kind and being positive—that's punk rock. That's counterculture because nobody's doing that. So uh, wow. let's make that cool, you know? That is one of the coolest things I've ever heard. Okay, continue, <laughs> though. I guess, uh, how did you meet Anthony Carboni? Well, like I said, I, I was doing the Totally Rad show at Revision 3, um, which was a full-fledged network, and it was based in San Francisco. We were down here in Los Angeles. Uh, but Anthony brought over his show. He was doing a show called Bite Jacker, uh, and he brought his show to Revision 3 at some point along the line. And so we were both on the same network. I was watching his stuff. He was watching my stuff. We were both sort of long distance admirers of one another. Yeah. And whenever there would be uh, revision three events at Comic-Con or even just sort of in San Francisco when we would go, uh, we would see each other at these, you know, mixers or parties or whatever. And we would always be like, oh, man, I love your stuff. Oh, I love your stuff. Wouldn't it be cool to work together? Yes, this is awesome. But we can't because we live so far away. It would be difficult, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, and at a certain point, a couple of years went by of that of that kind of thing, and uh, eventually, uh, at one of these, Anthony said, "I'm moving to L.A." And I said, "Well, if you're moving to L.A., we definitely have to do something." And he said, "Okay, cool. I'll let you know. I'll call you when I get there." And then it was like six months <laughs> with nothing. But then he finally did move, and when he arrived, um, we got together and we started brainstorming ideas for shows, and we started talking about doing video game stuff because we were both known for doing video game stuff, but. That it felt a little redundant because it felt like we were both already doing that with other people, and it was, it just didn't feel fresh and interesting. And then one day we just turned the microphone on, and I had read this article about the Fermi paradox, and I was like, Anthony's a really smart guy. He does a lot of science shows. He'd been doing science shows for Discovery Networks for a while. He's a smart guy. I'm very curious what he thinks about this. I, it kind of blew my mind reading about the Fermi paradox. So. I just wanted to ask him about it. I said, let's turn on the microphone. Let's just talk about it and see what happens. And we did. And it turned out to be really fun and really funny. And in the middle of it, just sort of organically, without either of us deciding that that's what we were going to do, we kind of got into weird improv characters. And that's what the show became. And it just sort of (laughs) happened. It It just really, honestly, it just happened. And uh, we recorded that one, and then we went, okay, well, let's record a couple of more like this. And we did, and we just kind of found interesting stories to talk about. And then we put out those three episodes as just sort of tests, like, hey, audience, are you guys interested in something like this? And people really loved them. And uh, then we put it up on Patreon, and 
that's how we have concerns started. That's fantastic. Yeah. And it's pretty cool how, uh, when things just sort of, it's just fate more or less that it just happened to work out and you didn't really have any expectations and you have something really cool to walk away with. And yeah, judging by your Patreon and the audience you guys have, it seems like, uh, the, there's a huge audience for what the kind of content you're putting out. So that's one of the shows that I only, I actually started listening to recently and I'm, I'm a big fan of that as well. It, it is much different than the video game content too, which yeah, I, I understand not wanting to do something redundant. Although it would be neat to get both of your feedback on games together. Well, we, you know, before every episode of We Have Concerns, we do this little just sort of revving up uh, discussion where we just kind of talk about stuff that's happening in our day. And I don't know if you've ever listened to that show, but at the beginning, you just hear the, like the little end snippet of a conversation. Then we go into the topic of the day. Yes. Um, So it's like you're catching us in the middle of a conversation because you really are. We start talking about something completely different and then transition into the story we're talking about. And our patrons uh, that that donate to the show get to hear those full conversations. And very often those full conversations are about video games. Oh, <laughs> so, fantastic. That's so, really cool. Uh, yeah. If people are ever curious about what Anthony and I think about video games, um, if you donate $3 a month to the show, you get to hear those, uh, those conversations. And very often we're talking about the games we're playing. That's fantastic. Okay, well then, that does kind of segue into the next segment of our show. Uh, we usually end with a conversation game, and this one is basically an audio quiz where I'm going to play some sound effects for you, and then you have to identify what game it is. But it's called What's That Sound? I'm very, very certain I'm going to be terrible at this. Oh, okay. It's, it's fine. <laughs> well, the thing is, in the past, a lot of my co-hosts are pretty bad at this, and I've done a lot of retro games, but this time around, I have six sounds for us, and they are all m- pretty modern games, so I'm eager to see if you can get any of these. It's typically a best of three scenario, so we'll, pay, we'll play twice and see if you can win any of them. But, uh, okay. All right, so we're playing What's That Sound? Uh, Let's see what you make of sound number one now. That's hmm. definitely Legend of Zelda. Oh, it is. Absolutely. And that's the thing. <laughs> Usually in our game, if you just get the franchise right, you're right. But uh, any guess at which one that is? I think it's Breath of the Wild. Yes, indeed. That is the opening from Breath of the Wild. Absolutely. Yeah. So that's one in the books. Uh, if you get another one right, you win the first game. Let's see what you make of sound number two. I'm already in the gravy, man. I love it. I'm already, <laughs> uh, I feel better just knowing that I, I got one right. Oh, you'll be fine. <laughs> All right, here we go. Good enough, healer. Mm. 
this is my jam. This is oh, Tears of the Storm. Yes, it is. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, I had to throw a Hots reference in there because I do know you're a big fan of that. All right. <laughs> um, so that's a win. But let's see if you get the hat trick for game one. Uh, let's listen to sound number three now. Can someone get me a cup of coffee? I would appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, Morgan. Have a seat at the table for me, please. You know what? I'd probably do the same thing. Well done. Well done. We're nearly through it. For this next part, I'm going to display an image. I want you to take a good look at it. In a moment, I'm going to ask you what... Uh... Pray. Yes, it is. And that scene. Wow, dude, you're on fire. I, I wasn't sure. Like in, in the past, we've had some really tough ones. And I don't know, it sounds like you really are familiar with these games. But that scene specifically stuck out to me when I was playing Prey. I haven't finished the game yet, unfortunately, but I do want to go back to that. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a it's a very evocative scene for sure. Oh, absolutely. Very memorable. All right, so that's a definite win with a hat trick on the first game. Let's see what you make out of game two. Let's listen to sound four now. This one's a little bit more tough. Mm. Yeah. Why oh, I feel like I recognize it. Oh. Is it StarCraft? No. I'll count that as a guess. You get three guesses. Uh, that That's a good one, but I think... Hmm. I'm trying to think if I can give you a hint or not without just blatantly giving it away. I, I, I'm I almost 100% positive you have played this game, though. It does sound really familiar. But it's, it's very distinct sounds. They're not... It's just yeah. odd. Yeah. After your next guess, I'll give you a hint, though, and I bet that. It sounds like a. It sounds like a engine firing, and then that that sort of crystalline shattering sound. It sounds really familiar, but I can't place it. I think that's what's going to really yeah separate it. Um, I'll just give you the hint. It is recently a VR game, but wasn't initially on VR. Oh, it's super hot. Yes, it is. That is great. <laughs> nice. Yeah, and that's the thing with that game. It's I, I like this the the time sound effect and stuff. Like it's it was just so right. strange. I, I wasn't sure if that one was going to be picked, but you got it with the hint. Um, that's good. And let's see uh, what you make of sound number five. The Council of Humanity has a message for all of our brave androids fighting on the surface. Currently, our struggle against the machine life forms is at a stalemate. This battle has raged for far too long. I am sure all of you find the effort grueling. But now is not the time to give up. Now, more than ever, we must forge on. 
Remember that several hundred thousand humans on the moon want nothing more than to return to Earth. Glory to mankind. Those council broadcasts are always so stiff. Yeah, now this one also is tough because, well, personally, I haven't played this game, but I really, really want to. Huh. On the moon. Um, androids on the moon. Man, that thing is super familiar to me. Ooh, I bet, yeah, I, I wasn't even sure. As someone who didn't play the game trying to get a clip for this, I was like, I think this audio clip should be helpful, but maybe it isn't. But yeah, the, the blip, the actual sound effect, hopefully, might stir a memory. Oh my god, it's so familiar. <laughs> it's Farpoint, right? No, no. Oh, good good guess. Ah, uh, no. What is it? Uh, I'm eager to see if you're going to kick yourself or if it's something you have yet to play. Oh, I've definitely played it. It sounds really familiar, but I can't place it. Moon on the moon. I mean, Destiny is on the moon, but that doesn't seem like Destiny sounds. Um, what else is on the moon? Definitely played this game. I give up. What is uh, it? No problem. It is near Automata. Oh, yes, I just played it. Oh, dude, and that's the thing. I really, really want to play it based on the gameplay I just saw when I was gathering that clip. It looks fantastic. What, yeah, what? I just dug into that uh, last week. Yeah, it's, it's, it is pretty good. Nice. Okay. Well, you still have a chance to win the second one. Uh, with, with our final sound here, let's see what you make of sound number six. Overwatch. Oh, yeah, you got it. <laughs> nice. I knew that one was probably be a little on the easier side, but e even with the hard ones, uh, you won both games. So that's how we play. What's that sound? Awesome, man. That was fun. All right. Well, that was a very fun episode, Jeff. I really can't thank you for joining us enough. Um, let's do some plugs. Um, you have so much stuff to plug. I'll let you take the reins on this. Where can our <laughs> listeners find you? Sure. You can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Jeff Kanata, and that's spelled with two N's and one T. I, uh, I do several shows. Uh, my daily video game show, Newest, Latest, Best, you can find at anchor.fm slash NLB. My weekly video game show is called DLC, and you can find that at 5x5.tv slash DLC. We have concerns is at wehaveconcerns.com and the slash filmcast, which is my movie and TV review show, is at slashfilmcast.com. Excellent. And oh, before I plug our show real quick at the end, uh, I did want to ask one final thing, like parting advice for anybody who aspires to be a host or a podcaster. Like, do you have any kind of words of wisdom for people in that category? Find something you're really passionate about. Find something that you would talk about anyway. Uh, even if no one was listening and make that because probably no one will be listening for a little while and uh, you want to be able to just keep doing it because you love it and then the audience will come if if you uh, if you are truly passionate about it if you would talk about it anyway chances are the, the things you're saying are compelling because you care and people will respond to that excellent oh wow that's fantastic and 
Listener, if you like our show, please give us a like or follow on Facebook and Twitter. Handle is ABT Silence. We try to Twitch stream every now and then over at twitch.tv slash ABT Silence on Tuesdays and Thursdays at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, but like I said, it's been a real pleasure having you on the show, Jeff. Uh, we hope to stay in touch and good luck with all of your future endeavors. Thanks so much. It's been fun. All right. Take care.